We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Detroit Lions select Aiden Hutchison, defensive end, Michigan. Jared Goff winds up. Touchdown, Detroit. Josh Reynolds. Here comes the blitz. Down the middle and on the fly. Jamison Williams, extra speed on the gas and gone. Touchdown. Yo, what is going on, guys? Welcome back to the Pride Podcast, episode 252 on the Blue Wire Network. I am your host, Tyler, joined by my two guys, as always, Mr. Malcolm Harpier. How you boys doing today on this Wednesday evening? I'm doing great, bro. We get to break down the Vikings, and I think this time we might actually have a chance to beat them. Like We used to take Justin Jefferson, Delvin Cook, Matt Patricia's dumbass didn't know how to scheme. I think now we might have a chance. Malcolm? What's up with you? Woo! What's going on, guys? Yo, NFC North, man. NFC North matchup, man. I can't wait. I'm, I'm excited, man. First one I'm of good. the year. You know, yes, we, 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 we dabble in the NFC East a little bit, played Philly and Washington at home. Now we're dabbling with our, our inner division with the Minnesota Vikings. We got ourselves a very special guest from the Purple Insider Podcast on the Blue Wire Network as well. Matthew Collar, he says he likes Matthew more than Matt. So we're going to call him Matthew Collar <laughs> because he says Matt Collar sounds like a fullback. So he's not wrong. So <laughs> we're going to stick with Matthew. Matthew, how you doing, man? I am doing great. You know, I was just noticing that none of your guys' names can be extended in any way. So you never get this question of do you like Matt or Matthew? It really doesn't matter. Um, usually it was uh, Matthew was when my mom was upset with me pretty much so uh that that happened enough to where it just stuck but it really does sound like a wisconsin fullback to say mac holler it sounds like <laughs> mac holler which which i guess i'll take but uh yeah dude guys i'm i'm whoop, I, sorry i hit my mic i'm so excited to hit my mic i'm i'm really ready for this uh you know i feel like the roar is being restored in uh, detroit and the vikings are reeling a little bit off a pretty bad loss in philadelphia and this game has more juice than uh, I think any other Detroit Vikings game in, in recent memory. I think you have to go back to maybe like 2017 to get this kind of like these two teams having a game that matters at this point. Um, so I, I think this one's exciting. Yeah, I just want to start off with how the fans are feeling right now in Minnesota. You guys beat a division rival week one versus the Packers at home. Then, you know, not the most pretty game on Monday Night Football versus Philly. What's the overall feel right now coming into this week? Yeah, I think that the feel is for a lot of people like here we go again um, because you know, they spent the last couple of months in preseason and training camp getting hyped up by a new culture, which uh, you guys have certainly seen how a culture change can matter when you, you put in uh, Dan Campbell after my gosh, Matt Patricia. Um, but Mike Zimmer was actually good at coaching football, unlike Matt Patricia as a head coach. It was just that his time sort of came to an end, right? right. And uh, I think that there were a lot of veteran players who were frustrated. I think the organization was frustrated at the number of headlines that Mike Zimmer would make with his post-game press conferences. There, there, was, there was actually a pretty toxic culture within the building. So they went out and they got a young, enthusiastic coach who is an offensive mind. He worked with Sean McVay as McVay's offensive coordinator, wins the Super Bowl, all that stuff. And then during training camp, it's 
hey, they're putting in these motions and they're doing these modern things and they're like not playing the starters in preseason, which was different, but also like a thing that modern NFL coaches do as opposed to playing right. uh, the traditional, hey, it's the third preseason game. So we have to play guys for an entire half and all that stuff. Uh, and then they come out against the Packers and just shred them. And I think at that point, a lot of people saw that as all the promises that were made during the offseason about what Kevin O'Connell would bring to this team were met by beating the Packers in week one. And immediately, everybody got cold water splashed on them <laughs> by the Philadelphia Eagles. And Kevin O'Connell admitted to uh, struggling with play calling in that game. Um, and, you know, he took a lot of responsibility for some rookie mistakes that he made as a play caller. We saw the same Kirk Cousins disappearing act on Monday Night Football that we've seen many times. And I think that a lot of that high came back down to, oh, yeah, right. As long as a team has this many flaws and a quarterback with this many flaws, it's going to be really hard to sustain performances like that against the Packers week after week after week. I think our GM, Brad Holmes, fleeced for JMO. Two, he, I feel like he made an interesting comment in the offseason. He's like, he was kind of conflicted on re-signing Kirk Cousins or not. I, I think you keep that to yourself. I don't think necessarily you put that out to the public personally. But how did Mikey fans first of all react to where Brad Holmes fleecing JMO? I mean, fleecing uh, Kwesi for JMO. And then how was the reaction with the Kirk Cousins stuff? Yeah, I think that uh, there was um, uh, obviously you have like always with fan debates over people who are skeptical of things that are happening and people who want to defend whatever is happening no matter what. Right. <laughs> um, so you always have that. But the conversation on draft night was kind of, all right, what are they doing exactly? Because if I remember, it was either the 12th or the 13th overall pick the Vikings had. Was it 12th maybe? I think it was and 12th. Yeah, and I remember going back and looking through 12th overall picks uh, and finding a lot of superstars that had hit in 12. But when you get toward the end of the first round, your percentage chance of landing a superstar just goes way down. And right. what Kwesi Adafo Mensa was betting was that trading down and getting extra draft capital, of which he did not get a lot from Brad Holmes, by the way. Uh, historical precedent, he did quite bad in comparison. If you're going to move that far up, usually that means a next year's first round pick. And it did not in this case. Um, but I think the idea was that you look at the data that you have in your draft chart, not like the Jimmy Johnson draft chart, but what you have in front of you and say, all right, we need multiple players in the secondary. We're going to draft them at the back end of this round. And then in the second round, rather than take a swing at one player, that if that player doesn't work out, then it's a huge L for us. And if you look at the Vikings, it, I'm trying to go back to draft night, but I think they had three picks out of the first, I don't know, 150 or something. And it's like a roster that does have a lot of holes in it, especially for the future with some older players. So I could see the logic. But I think the reason that Jimmy Johnson developed his draft chart the way he was with valuing those high picks uh, a lot is because those are the guys that win you Super Bowls. It's superstars. It's Aaron Donald. It's Jalen Ramsey. It's Odell Beckham. It's Cooper Cup. Like those are the guys who, and, and I know not all of those guys are high draft picks, but it's superstars that win you championships uh, and you get a better chance at those at the top of the draft. And then we're only two weeks into the season and this thing can't be declared who won that trade. Uh, but right now it doesn't look great for the Vikings because Lewisine is not playing. And uh, Cam Bynum beat him out in training camp. Harrison Smith is uh, dinged up this week. He has a concussion. So I don't know if he's going to play or not. If he doesn't play, there's a decent chance that they start Josh Metellus, which none of you guys know who Josh Metellus is. Guaranteed. I do. I do. And <laughs> I'm oh, crazy, Michigan, but I know Michigan. him. Okay. Yeah, Never mind. Michigan I man. <laughs> I, I take it back. I take it back. You shouldn't know him if it wasn't for the state of Michigan. Right. Uh, that, that he had played in. But he is a sixth round draft pick special teamer, and he might start over Lewis scene. That's kind of where we're at right now with that draft pick. And Andrew Booth Jr. has been hurt now two separate times and is not playing at this moment. So those first two draft picks do not look very good for Kwesi Adafo Mensa. And you asked about uh, the comments from him about Kirk Cousins. Amateur. To tell you the truth, it was just amateur. Like it was a very brand new guy in a position where he didn't understand how far his voice traveled. And so when you say that to a reporter, they're going to write it and people are going to notice it. 
And I think that he did not realize the impact of saying something like that. He tried to walk it back and say he was talking philosophically, but in no way can you state that our quarterback is only good and that you considered getting rid of him, which they did. They tried to trade him and they took offers and decided that the offers weren't good enough. Uh, but I mean, that's not exactly the way to instill confidence in your quarterback for one right. or make him think that he should care about your organization at all because he knows where you stand. If you don't see him as the future and you sign him to the shortest extension possible, then say in public that he's only good and it's you're probably not going to win the Super Bowl with him. Well, why should Kirk Cousins care about the outcome of this year? Now, he's a professional. He's going to go play as hard as he can each week. But, I mean, right. it, it certainly doesn't add any extra investment to him being a Minnesota Viking. And I, I think it was a, a huge error from Kwesi Adafalmensa. He's only talked to the media one time since initially walking those comments back, and he was very quiet uh, in that. So I think that he showed his cards to somebody way too early. But also, at the same time, he's right. Everything he said was right, which, which makes you think like the guy at least understands where this bus has to go. To me, it's very much like Detroit with Matthew Stafford at the end, or it's like Matthew Stafford's a good quarterback, but the timeline isn't matching up to have an older quarterback on a team that needs to completely rebuild. So if Kwesi Adafo Mensa understands that and acts as such, and this year drafts a quarterback and moves on from Kirk after this year, unless they go to the Super Bowl or, or the NFC championship or something, I mean, I think that that is smart. So his comments will long be left in the past if they do the right thing. Right. So, so Matthew, I mean, I've been hearing like when I watch, you know, the media, they're, they're talking about Kirk Cousins saying that this is kind of his fault. How's the fans feeling and looking at Kirk Cousins? I mean, it's just, we've been through this so many times with Kirk Cousins. Uh, I've sort of joked around before that, you know, we, we can call him the imagination land quarterback because you can always imagine where he's better than he is, but it never happens. Um, except against Detroit. Sorry, guys. <laughs> against Detroit, he's Joe Montana. It's unbelievable. But uh, you know, in, all, in all seriousness, though, I, I mean, with Kirk Cousins, he's 34 years old, right? He has been starting since 2015. The results have been essentially the same each year. And uh, he puts up good statistics. He has wild ups and downs, ups against Detroit, downs against teams that are relevant and good. And uh, and then you could change my mind uh, on Sunday with that with Detroit, because I'll start to think you're, you might be relevant and good with a win there. But but that's sort of been the story. The, here's a crazy stat for you guys. Since Kirk Cousins got to Minnesota, the New York Jets have more wins against winning teams than the Minnesota Vikings do. That is insane. Like to think about that they have just let down their fan base with Kirk Cousins time after time after time after giving reasons to believe Cousins gets off to a hot start or he wins player of the month or they're giving him a new right guard in the draft or look at this coach who now believes in him. But I also think that uh, people wanted to talk them in, themselves into it being Mike Zimmer's fault. And as soon as last week happened, it was like, oh, yeah, it probably wasn't all Mike Zimmer's fault. It was probably who Kirk Cousins is as a quarterback that week to week, you just don't know which version is going to show up. So, so Matthew, you know, bringing in a coach like Kevin O'Connell and having all these offensive pieces that are win-now pieces, Delvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, these are all win-now players. Um, like, is it, you know, weird to talk about a rebuild in Minnesota? I know you're talking about the, you know, mentioning the rebuild, but I just feel like with all these players, I feel like it's almost kind of hard to, you know, go into a full rebuild like with all those guys. No, that's exactly right. And what I thought was they were going to do a full rebuild after they fired Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer. And I thought that they were going to trade away Kirk Cousins, trade away Harrison Smith, trade away Adam Thielen, and really hit the reset button in a, in a very similar way to what Detroit did. And, and look, I, I think Detroit took the smartest route possible the route that has been proven to win where you get draft capital and you take players like Aiden Hutchinson and, and Jamison Williams, and you try to get stars at the top of the draft. And then you see what happens at quarterback. I mean, it could be Jared Goff, but it also could be a draft pick in the future that you drop into a roster that's stacked. And Hey, look at Jalen hurts on a stacked roster. Look at Tua on a stacked roster. All of a sudden it's like, did they get way better? Well, probably, but the supporting cast is awesome. And, and I think that's that's how you win, right? With a quarterback on a rookie contract. And you can tell this is where Detroit is eventually going, 
is to drop a quarterback on a rookie contract on a stacked roster. And I thought that the Vikings were going to go that way, but the, you know, I think a major part of it is that ownership of the Minnesota Vikings does not want to see them do a season where they go three and whatever, or four and whatever they want to see them be consistently competitive year after year. So I think that ownership said you can't trade Kirk cousins and drop all the way back to the bottom by, you know, signing Jamison uh, or Jameis Winston or signing, you know, Marcus Mariota and being the Falcons. But I think that the Seahawks Falcons and lions with Stafford at the end of his era, I think they all lived in reality and the Vikings chose not to live in reality where it's like, no, we need to, to try to win now and, and we need to try to stay competitive. But those players that you named, I mean, they have names, but they're not what they used to be. Like Delvin Cook right. is not what Delvin Cook used to be a couple years ago. It's the reality of running backs. Adam yep. Thielen, look at his average depth of target or yards per target. It's gone way down to the point where he's kind of a possession receiver at this point. Eric Hendricks is, is still really good, and I respect him, but he's not an all-pro talent. And Harrison Smith is on the older side as well. And then you're just trying to hope that these other pieces hold up. Patrick Peterson Jordan Hicks that they signed off free agency. I mean, these are not long-term answers. They're really win now answers, which means if this thing doesn't turn out great, if they don't win 11 games or 12 games and put themselves in a position to go into the playoffs saying we can go to the Super Bowl, if that doesn't happen, in my mind, it's a massive failure. And uh, I think that you guys know as well as anybody, like how many times that happened. Oh, you know, we got rid of Caldwell to have Patricia take us to the next level. And, you know, look, they signed this player, signed that player, and that's that's going to fix everything. And it's like when you have a roster that's that's massively flawed all over the field and aging players, it's, it's really nature taking its course with your roster. And I think all they did was delay the inevitable for a year. And, th- and they're free to prove me wrong with that. But that's the way that it looks right now. Hey, Prior Podcast listeners. It's your boy Malcolm here. And if you're a sports better like me, let me tell you about Oz Traders. Oz Traders is a place to compare all odds from all major sports books. You can also compare the different sign-up codes and promotional codes from different sportsbooks to get the best deal. This app also provides player stats, key game stats, injury reports, projected game day weather so the bettors can make the most informed bets as possible. This app also has bet trackers so bettors can keep records of all their games and betting activity. Looking to maximize your bets? Go to oddstrader.com slash bluewire. Again, that's O-D-D-S-T-R-A-D-E-R.com slash bluewire. Odds Traders, the number one site for your game day bets. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Yeah, so I was telling them, I was like, I either want to go for it all or go for it. I'm tired of being like in the middle, you know, like from that 12 to like 20 range, like in the draft or whatever. You're basically like media core or whatever, right? 
Like, I, I don't. I mean, the Lions have been in that little window forever. I mean, with Caldwell especially, they just could not get over the hump, and that's why they go out and hire a guy like Patricia to get him over the window. <laughs> I mean, we all saw that win. Oh, they God. failed, you know, <laughs> badly, obviously. They gave us Sua, though, so thank you for that at least. Yeah. So, I mean, I just look at this Minnesota team. Every year I feel like we're saying the same thing about them too. It's like, you know, they, they could be really good. Um like, what's Vikings fans feeling, though, with Kevin O'Connell now under helm? I think Mike Zimmer was kind of, like you said, was like the thing that was kind of holding him back. But now you guys got a new coach in here, comes from a winning organization, a team that just won a Super Bowl. Is Kevin O'Connell maybe a guy that can get this team over the hump finally? Yeah, I think that Kevin O'Connell has a lot of things right. Uh, and and one of those things is like player health, for example caring about player health for one. <laughs> I mean, putting a real emphasis on it, putting a data-driven emphasis on it, um, you know, limiting the amount of snaps that Zadarius Smith was taking in preseason, uh, none in preseason and, and in training camp and being thoughtful, even about like they didn't practice today on a Wednesday. They just went through a walkthrough because it was less than 48 hours since they played a game. And as far as their data shows, uh, you're risking injury when you're having intense practices within 48 hours of a game. That's very smart. I think Kevin O'Connell really understands offensive football and how it works and the ins and outs of it. Uh, I think that he understands how to connect with his players and how to be their leader. Um, but there are growing pains for a guy who's taking on his first gig after he was an offensive coordinator for McVay for a year. He called plays in Washington for a year and they finished 32nd in offense. Uh, you know, he was a quarterback's coach not too long ago. He was a player not too long ago. Not very many people are Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan who are the kind of freaks, right? I mean, they, these guys uh, came right in as, as young coaches and had a lot of success. And that's not always what happens. And so I think that there's been some growing pains for Kevin O'Connell along the way uh, and maybe some realizations for Kevin O'Connell along the way. Like, I don't think you just sort of copy and paste the Rams offense and then just go do it and nobody can stop you. Um, I think what Philadelphia showed was that play calling is way harder than you think it is when Sean McVay's doing it and not you. Um, and, and being the head coach and play calling is incredibly difficult. And, and I think that a lot of coaches through the years have sort of given that up because of how challenging that is to do. Uh, so I think that uh, O'Connell kind of took his big first hit and then took a lot of responsibility for it. In my mind, probably took too much responsibility for what happened in Philadelphia. And he's going to have to bounce back for that. He's going to have to learn. I think as a long-term coach, as a three, five years from now, as he learns how to do this, uh, that he could be very, very good because he has a lot of the right ideas and processes. But if you match up what we just talked about with that statement, like they don't really match up like a coach that if you wanted a coach to get you to win right away, Jim Harbaugh would have been the option there, which they got close to doing Raheem Morris might've been a better option to do there. Someone with some previous head coaching experience, but they took someone who's an extreme noob to the head coaching. I mean, he's, it's funny because like he's even making some like small mistakes that experienced coaches wouldn't like. You're not supposed to say when a player has a concussion, you're not supposed to say certain things about that. And he kind of did the other night about Harrison Smith. And you're like, oh, you wouldn't really know that yet because no one's told you because you're new at this, which should be okay and would have been fine if they had torn a lot of the pieces down. But now there's a desperation to win in maybe what is the last year of Kirk Cousins here on a short-term contract. And you have a coach that's just starting to find his way for how to even go into Philadelphia and call plays. I, I think that uh, that match of the timeline and the veteran players, everything else with a new coach is a difficult one for Kevin O'Connell. That is tough, man, because, you know, having a roster like what you guys have, you know, us as Lions fans, we seen Dan Campbell last year. You know, he made tons of rookie mistakes. But us as Lions fans, we expected those rookie mistakes, especially in a rebuilding year. So we're rebuilding and he's making rookie mistakes. We're saying, you know what, let's make those mistakes now. Go forward. You know, he's better. He's a better coach. But you guys are, you know, more in a, in a win now mode. So that's tough, man. But um, I actually want to actually go back about Delvin Cook. Um, you did mention that he's not the same player. Uh, like, is it is it Delvin Cook or because I watched the Philadelphia game and he only had what six carries, um, something like that. Is it is it more of the play calling in the scheme or is is it really Delvin Cook that he may be not the same guy? 
Yeah. I mean, this goes into the category of it's way easier for us to call plays at home than it is real plays because Kevin O'Connell and kind of admitted to this, that he tried to get all 17 points back that they were down on one drive. And uh, that didn't, was it 17 points? Am I doing the math wrong? What was it? But yeah, 17, right? Uh, whatever it was, they were down several scores. And uh, when they came out in the second half, it, yeah, it was 24 to seven. So they came out in the second half and it was just throw, 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 throw. He kept pushing the pass button. Now on Madden, I mean, that's pretty great, right? Like we <laughs> yeah. all do that. In real life though, you're not giving the ball to one of your uh, historically best players. And also you're not making Philadelphia care about the run at all. And what Philadelphia did was said, okay, awesome. Now we're going to blitz you. And now we're going to kind of, now we're going to throw the kitchen sink at you because we know you're passing on every single play because you've lost the sense for where you're at. You can score 17 points in the NFL in the second half. You can make up that deficit and still run the football. But I think O'Connell got uh, a little bit like anxious, right? Like we're down by this much. We have to push, push, push. And it resulted in three interceptions by Kirk Cousins. Um, So there is definitely that part of it. They also have an offensive line, which the interior is pretty questionable. They have a rookie at right guard in Ed Ingram, who has not had a great first two weeks, as you wouldn't expect for a rookie. Uh, they have a left guard who is a former tackle and also former right guard that is now in his second year at left guard and has not ever really been anything above average and a center who struggles, especially with powerful defensive linemen. So I don't think they have a great run blocking team either. So it goes to the situation, the run blocking and the bursts of Delvin cook that was once there that just made your eyes pop out of your skull. And you guys know some of the performances against Detroit. I just don't see it. I mean, there's been a few plays where I've thought, oh, he's going to break that just because I've seen his whole career and it didn't happen. And I think his longest run this year might be 12 yards and it's only through two weeks, but that's not what we expect. And the other part of it too was there was talk in the off season of like, oh, O'Connell's going to unlock Delvin Cook in the passing game. And we haven't seen that. And I don't think it's really Delvin Cook's strength. The screen game hasn't been very effective at all. Um, So I think that it's been a combination of both but I also think it's just the reality of running backs in, in the NFL. Elvin Kamara is out hurt and isn't the same guy. Christian McCaffrey. These are guys from that same draft class who got paid and then right. their teams are paying for it essentially now. So I don't know that he's the, the same Delvin. He's also had a lot of injuries at this point. I mean, a lot. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think that the fear that he once struck into teams and I remember I mean, teams putting one safety back there, loading up the box, and then Kirk Cousins just boots out and somebody's wide open. If that's not in the toolbox because no one really fears Delvin the same way, then it makes things a lot tougher on Kirk Cousins. So you just shift attention, basically, Justin Jefferson. I mean, even Irv Smith, right? Like, I liked him coming out, but it seems like he's kind of been a disappointment this year. That's what I read. Like, Johnny Munt, I don't even know who that is, but he's apparently starting over him. Uh, well, he wasn't in week one and he did start week two technically, but he only played like one play of the first drive. Uh, uh, Irv's, the thing with Irv Smith is that he's just been constantly hurt. I mean, 2020, he was banged up in the middle of the season. He misses the entire 2021 and then training camp this year, he had a thumb injury that kept him out for essentially all of the padded practices, which is really difficult. And so when he drops that pass, like there's context involved that, like, hey, the guy was out with a thumb injury. He couldn't catch any passes during all of training camp. I've always thought that Irv has a ton of talent, but you're kind of looking back at that draft and going, well, you got a center who's one of the worst in the league at pass blocking and a tight end that you took right before A.J. Brown. Woof. I mean, and that speaks to the situation that Kwesi Adafo Mensa took over where they're still paying Kyle Rudolph like $8 million on the cap, and he's a healthy scratch in Tampa Bay. Like, he's... He's been on two teams since then and yeah. and since he's been a Viking and uh, they uh, extended Kyle Rudolph out of desperation and because they liked him as a guy and and the mistakes that were made from the previous regime still have a lot of echoes onto this roster. So it's not just that they didn't tear it apart. It's also that you know, the play, the draft picks that, that were made outside of Justin Jefferson really didn't yield anything for them. But now you make a point though about Jefferson that if Delvin Cook doesn't find that burst and they don't run block, which they didn't really last year and they haven't so far this year in a really effective way, I mean, you're talking about a lot of pressure on Justin Jefferson because no longer can you go, 
oh, all right, well, it's Diggs and Thielen or it's Jefferson and Thielen because Thielen is not really proving that he can scare you anymore. In 2018, yes, but that's kind of a long ways from now, right, in the past. Um, And so, I, you know, I think at that point, then you're looking around going, you know, when people talk about this team, they say, like, look at all the weapons, but Thielen's not the same guy. Cook's not the same guy. Smith Jr. has never proven anything. Uh, you know, even though we like him, he's, he's, he's only been like a number two tight end with 30 catches in a season and Justin Jefferson is freaking unbelievable. So it's like, you have, you really have kind of a, a one receiver offense. If those guys aren't stepping up to the challenge. And then it kind of reminds you of like Julio Jones in Atlanta in the late years with Matt Ryan, where you're, it's kind of like all focus is on, is on one guy. You guys wouldn't know anything about that with Calvin Johnson. (laughs) <laughs> oh come on <laughs> um matthew so i want to transition a little more into this game now uh and sticking to your offense what's something lions fans could kind of expect to see from your offense this sunday yeah i'm really interested to see uh i didn't think that they used a, a lot of pre-snap motion against philadelphia i was surprised by that i think that will come back uh i think another part is how they handle the blitz they did tremendously bad against the blitz in Philadelphia. Now, I mean, granted it was past situations and that makes it a lot harder, uh, but Detroit likes the blitz and they've been very aggressive on defense so far. And I think that aggressiveness, the Vikings making them pay is a big deal. Um, but I, you know, I also think this has the potential to be a shootout. Like I, you know, Detroit's defense has certainly given up, uh, quite a few points in these first couple of weeks. I think Philadelphia's defense is really, really, really talented. Um, so, so maybe there's not quite the talent there. Also Aiden Hutchinson being on the injury report, uh, has to be a pretty big concern there after he had a huge day because that's the, always the way to beat Kirk cousins. And it's the reason, honestly, other than Matt Patricia, that Detroit has had really no chance outside of last year, this, the shocking game in Detroit. But the reason why Kirk has had so many big days is usually because there isn't freak pass rushers on Detroit. And Aiden Hutchinson kind of offers that if he comes back and is healthy. That's always going to be uh, the weakness of Kirk Cousins and of this offense. And I think that they will try really hard, especially early in the game, to get Delvin Cook going because if he breaks off, a couple of 10, 15 yard runs, you know, Detroit is going to make an adjustment there because they don't want to get run over like they have in the past. So I think the offense has the potential to bounce back. I I just think that it was presented as being kind of bulletproof at the beginning of the year. Look at all these weapons. Look at this brilliant offensive head coach. Look at all the modern, amazing things they're going to do with motion and formations and schemes. And I think what came back to you know reality in Philadelphia was all that stuff's great. But if your quarterback no-shows, if your quarterback gets pressured, if you don't run the ball and set up play action, you're going to end up with seven points at the end of the day. I mean, we we I saw Philly like week one. We played them, right? We put up a lot of points on them. But, I mean, Jalen Hurts is one. He's really hard to defend. He's mm-hmm. He improved. He improved a lot. I would say it's just going to be interesting to see how the Detroit Lions pass rush looks, you know, um, the second half, they're a little banged up. You know, Hutchinson, they had a great first half versus Washington. They were getting to, you know, getting home pretty often. The second half, you know, Carson Wentz had a little more time in the pocket. Uh, Hutch was a little banged up coming in and out of the lineup. John Kaminsky, who has the most pressures on our team, he's going to be out this game. Uh, you know, not a household name by any means, but he's had a really good start to the season, and he's going to be out this game. So it's going to be interesting to see how this Lions pass rush does look this Sunday in Minnesota with a, you know, Hutchinson we expect to play, but how is he going to look? Uh, with that injury that he's dealing with, no John Kaminsky. So it's going to be interesting to see how it looks on Sunday. But, yeah, Pierre, would you? No. I don't know if you've watched the Lions offensive line. doesn't matter who they're up against. Eagles offensive line is unreal. They literally destroyed them. They moved them out the way. Versus Washington, they had me and you and Malcolm starting at, in the interior. <laughs> no, like, I'm just joking. But, you know, backup starting in the interior against John Allen, Deron Payne, good players. They they destroyed them, right? And you guys obviously have Michael Pierce. I forgot the other dude's name. The big Delvin Tomlinson, right? And the interior are yeah. Uh, Pierce is gone, but Harrison Phillips. Oh, Pierce is gone. gone. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. My bad. Um, how is there a concern that the Lions could just destroy them off the ball in the running game? Yeah, I mean, first, I think Malcolm's pass set is tremendous. So let's not. Uh, Thank you. Finally, let's, let's Finally. not play that. Let's uh, go. <laughs> uh, but no, there's there's 
pretty serious concern about a few things with the defense. I mean, first of all, the fact that Philadelphia and Green Bay manhandled them in the running game and Detroit has had a, a great running game in these first couple of weeks. And I saw some chart today showing like the success in terms of yards before contact for the running backs and Detroit was at the very top. That's uh, pro probably part scheme and also part execution, but the Vikings have been hit pretty hard by the run game. It wasn't just Jalen Hurts. It was also Miles Sanders had a lot of success against the Vikings as well, which set up those second and short situations. And if you go back and look at when Jared Goff was at his absolute best of the Rams, I mean, they usually had pretty good running games with Todd Gurley in his prime. They could run play actions. They could make the pass look like the run and if that's what they're able to do with DeAndre Swift and other options in the, in the run game, Jamal Williams, then the Vikings could be in for a long day. I think that more concerning even than that is that they only have two players who can really rush the passer. That is Daniil Hunter and Zadarius Smith. And they are very good at it, no doubt. They are. But there's really only two guys who can do it. And if you're not going to blitz a ton, which they didn't at all last week, they may this week against Jared Goff be a little more aggressive um, because Jalen Hurts, I think they didn't want to blitz him because he could just run away. Uh, but, uh, you know, when it comes to Goff, not so much. Still, you only really have two dudes who can rush the passer. And the interior, they signed Harrison Phillips, who I think is a decent player, but it just didn't really make a lot of sense with Delvin Tomlinson there. You're going to have two basically nose tackles pushing the pocket, but pushing the pocket doesn't equal pressures, doesn't equal sacks. Um, and then you have a secondary that you could describe as shaky, rickety, questionable. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's a lot of problems there. And if Harrison Smith doesn't play, and it is, uh, Michigan man, Josh Metellus or Lewis seen the rookie uh, who didn't take any first team reps outside of maybe one or two practices for the entire summer. Like that is a recipe for disaster. And in the last game, Cam Dantzler, the outside corner appeared to be benched for making some mistakes when it came to their scheme. And they played a Caleb Evans, who's a fourth round draft pick. Uh, Patrick Peterson has looked fine so far, but still is in his thirties in the twilight of his career. Uh, so you have, some major issues with this defense uh, that I think people after a really good performance against green Bay, people realized against Philly, like, Oh, this is not going to be the 2017 defense that just shuts everybody down and you win games. They're going to have to win shootouts and Detroit so far has been in two of them. I wouldn't be surprised if they're in a third one, because I think that this defense does have a lot to question. Like the defense, I remember Stafford after every game, he's in the X-ray room. He'd be sacked like eight, nine times. Hunter, uh, forgot the other EG, uh, the dude Limbell Joseph, Anthony Barr blitzing. You know those double eight gap blitz that Zimmer did. Oh my god, that destroyed us every every game. Now it's like I look at the Vikings and I'm like, shit, they don't really have that guy. I mean, they have those pass rushers, but after that, it's like Eric Hendricks is good, but he doesn't necessarily scare you. Harrison Smith is old as heck. They don't really have like those difference makers they had back in the day. Oh yeah, definitely not the same thing, but also like the worst player on the defense when it was great with Mike Zimmer was good. Like you could say that, you know, maybe someone like Trey Waynes, there's a Michigan state connection, but Trey Waynes was a first round pick. He might've been the weakest link that they had at times. Uh, Terrence Newman was on the older side, but still a really good player. Anderson Deho was a good compliment to Harrison Smith and a big hitter. And he could, you know, intercept the ball and things like that. Yeah, I mean, with this defense, they rely really a lot on those guys and a lot on two guys in the middle to stop the run, which has not really happened so far. And it hasn't uh, lived up to the idea that they could put Tomlinson and Phillips in there and just stuff the run. It's, it's really not the same. The other thing is, too, that uh, well, the defense was not the same for the last two years. No question. The numbers are way worse. Uh, a lot of injuries fell apart. Um, you know, Hunter has only played before this seven games of the last two years, that was a big deal, but make no mistake. Like Mike Zimmer knew what he was doing. Mike Zimmer Never. knew how to scheme. He knew how to create pressure. The Vikings, I think were second or third in sacks last year. So even when they were having troubles, they were still getting sacks, getting after the quarterback. We don't know that Ed Donatell's scheme and Ed Donatell hasn't been a DC in quite a while. Like we don't know that his scheme is going to work. And it seems like they really want to play a lot of shell coverage and stuff and give up those underneath passes. But if you do that, if you give up the run, give up underneath passes, I mean, Jared Goff will sit back there and throw the ball to his open receivers because now Detroit 
has receivers to throw to. Um, and and right. so I, I think that, um, you know, I think we kind of saw some of that last year, but maybe, uh, you know, we also saw some big plays from the defense last year against Detroit because Mike Zimmer could put the pressure on. They have really not done that at this point. They didn't get after Aaron Rodgers a whole lot. When you look at his pressure numbers, I think it was maybe like 25% uh, pressure rate from the defense. And then they barely pressured Jalen Hurts at all. So I, I think this is a, it's a very questionable unit overall and a defensive coordinator who's changing scheme, but you might be dropping off there. And I think you you brought up the name, though, of the guy who is the biggest loss they have. And, and this is with respect to Jordan Hicks, who's a like a fine NFL linebacker. Anthony Barr did a lot for the Vikings mm-hmm. defense. He was tremendous at blitzing. He was tremendous covering running backs out of the backfield. He understood football at a super high level and, uh, you know, got in throwing lanes and things like that in the passing game, things that PFF doesn't always capture, stuff like that. And uh, I I think it's not the same. Him and Eric Hendricks were a really special duo, and I I don't think it's the same. It's not. I mean, you you could see it when you watch him. It's just not. All right. So, Matthew, man, I'm going to put you on the spot really quickly, man. Um, So, right now, so if – if you were the Minnesota Vikings offensive coordinator, what would be your game plan to attack the Detroit Lions defense? Four verticals over and over and over. Oh, no, wait. That's my video game offense. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, it doesn't even depend on the game. It's like uh, da bomb is, is what I'm going with uh, from uh, NFL Blitz. No, I, you know, I, I really think that they have to get the run game going early and then get bootleg opportunities for Kirk Cousins. Mike Zimmer made some mistakes as the head coach, for sure, especially the way that he handled players, sometimes the way he handled his own public image uh, at the podium and things like that. I don't think he was the greatest front door for the organization a lot of times with the way that he spoke about the team. I don't think he treated people well inside the building. Uh, I think that he was a little too old school. But what he did understand is that to win with Kirk Cousins, you have to put the kid gloves on. You have to run, play actions. You have to get to second and shorts. And then when you do, you can hit shots down the field. And Kirk can really throw a great ball. I mean, he's up there with it, with anybody for throwing the football down the field. But he's got to be clean. You can't ask him to do too much. And, and I think that Kevin O'Connell maybe just realized that. like, Or maybe in, in training camp he did. But it seems like maybe last week he really realized, like, oh, if I put this game on that guy, He's not going to just like Matt Stafford, Matt Stafford down 17 points. You'd be like, okay, uh, this could happen. I mean, look at this guy, right? Like Matt Stafford made a throw last week. I don't have to tell you guys, but he made a throw last week where he was like down low. Like, like uh, who was that pitcher? Like Corey Bradford back in the day (laughs) would throw like way underneath. Was that his name? Like he was a submarine through a ball that I think surprised the receiver so much. They didn't catch a touchdown. He could throw at all angles into all windows and come back at any game that he was down any amount almost. That's not Kirk Cousins. It just isn't. And I, and I think that O'Connell sort of realized that last week that if you are thinking that you're going to run the same offense that you ran in L.A. with Matt Stafford here, you need to think about running the offense they ran with Jared Goff where he threw a lot of those quick passes and boo like, I mean, it's not, it's not an insult. It's just not the physical talent that the quarterback has. Yeah, and right. so, so, you know, Kirk Cousins sets career highs three years in a row. And then everyone says that Mike Zimmer had no idea what he was doing with the offensive scheme. It's like, well, I don't know guys. I mean, I, I don't know. Like you expect, you know, people are picking him for MVP and everything else. It's like, I don't know, guys. I mean, is he is he growing wings? Like what? Like what is happening with this? You know. So uh, anyway, that's a, a long rant uh, to answer your question. Just to say that I think that they have to kind of go back to some of the things that worked, and then mix in those modern elements with the you know the the bunch formations and the motion just a little bit more. I don't think the offense needed this complete epic overhaul. I think it needed to be just like. Like your iPhone, you know, you just update it overnight, make sure it's plugged in and there you go. But they, but O'Connell went all in. And I, and you know what, one good thing about that is, is if Kirk Cousins goes seven and 10 this year and cannot handle O'Connell's offense, it's very easy for him to go to ownership and say, sorry, just can't do it. The same way that, that Sean McVay did in Los Angeles. Sorry, this guy just can't handle my offense. I need Matt Stafford. And the, uh, I'm sorry, Matthew Stafford. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think 
that we could see the same thing from the Vikings if Kirk Cousins can't handle everything. So maybe there is a maybe there is a case to just put the gas pedal down and ride this thing, even if it goes over the you know embankment and starts on fire. Yeah, um, you kind of mentioned how Kirk Cousins and like Goff are sort of similar, like they need a run game, and I think Ben Johnson over the off season. They installed, I don't know if you've watched the film, but these run blocks, these traps they're calling, all these guards pulling, tackles pulling, they're doing like some creative stuff that I've never seen the Lions personally do. Um, and then with Goff, it's like, I don't know if you've watched, play action's getting better. Obviously, the deep ball still needs some work. I think it'll get there eventually, but it still needs some work. Um, they're very efficient on offense. They, they're they averaging, I believe, 34 points or 35 points on offense. 35. 35, thank you. Yeah. So, yeah. so Matthew, um, what about on the defensive side? What will be your defensive game plan to to stop this Detroit Lions offense? You know, you got Mon Ross Brown, you got DeAndre Swift, you got this running game that everybody keeps talking about. I mean, the media we're getting and we're getting NFL love from the media for the first time since Barry. So this is new. This is new for us, especially for the younger generation. They they never seen this 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 kind of I would say like people talking about us in, in a positive light. So what will be your game plan to stop Detroit on the defense on as far as uh, Detroit's offense? Oh, I don't know. There was a year where Stafford threw for 40 touchdowns and 5,000 yards, where I think people may have uh, given him some credit. That isn't, was 2011. Hey, isn't, uh, isn't that, yeah, that's the last time you made a difference. Uh, isn't the, <laughs> isn't you do a little shout out. I like that. You do a little shout out as I like it, but, but isn't it, but isn't it funny? Like about Matt, Matthew Stafford, that, um, you know, half the world says he's underrated. Half the world says he's overrated. And it's like, the truth is really definitely in the middle, uh, with Matthew Stafford. But, um, I think with Jared Goff, there's really not a debate over Jared Goff and what he is, but I do think that last year was so brutal that the team was so awful and that golf was also banged up half halfway through the year that we decided he was horrific. He is absolutely not horrific. I think he's a decent NFL quarterback who, when given the right opportunity can deliver on throws. Uh, what I do think that he struggles with is when you get in his face at all, or when anything looks different than it's supposed to look, or right. when he gets a little confused or flustered, then you see the bad version of Jared Goff. And that and that's what they're going to try to do. If it's me, I'm coming out and I'm saying, whatever you saw on tape last week is not what we're doing. We're going to attack. We're going to blitz. And if you hit on a couple of explosives, then you hit on a couple of explosives. But I think you can turn Jared Goff over. I think you can pick him off. I think you can you know get a strip sack from him at times with his kind of longer windup and stuff like that. So for me, that's how I would go about it. But I do wonder like how committed the Vikings will be to this kind of shell defense that they've been playing. And also Harrison Smith is a big deal here because if Harrison Smith is all over the field, it's very tough for quarterbacks who aren't good at sort of resetting things when it's not exactly what they were looking for. Harrison Smith, like that's his MO for his career is messing with quarterbacks. If he's not out there, that's such a big deal for this defense. Yeah, and you mentioned the the shell defense. They carved Washington was playing a lot of zone last week, and Detroit just carved them up. Right, and, and that's what happened in Philly with the Vikings, where it was like they were sitting back. And you know, there's a part of this though to me that I think one of the things we love to do is we like to split the team into an offense and defense. And if the defense isn't great, we're like, bad. It's your fault. Um, but but I think offense and defense affect each other. And I also think that everyone's defense is bad outside of like th five teams in the league. Everyone's defense can give up 30 or 40 points every game because it's 2022 and that's how this works. And so if you can't respond offensively, then you're just not good. And so that's kind of what we saw last week was the Vikings had opportunities to respond and score more than 24 points and they just didn't. Um, so with this game, we're going to kind of see with both of these teams, like who can respond when the defense isn't that great. Cause I think both defenses have some pretty serious questions. Yeah. Matthew, do you think they could stop the run Detroit's run? Like if we're being hundred percent honest, do you think Minnesota could stop the run? I, I mean, they haven't proven that they can, um, at, at all so far. So, I mean, I, I'm inclined to say no, I mean that they really have to find a way to do that, but through two weeks, uh, they've been run over. Uh, I mean, you know, Green Bay, maybe part of that was the situation that they were playing much more for pass. And so they gave up some big runs later in the game because they were ahead. But Philadelphia just had their way with their defensive line. And I think that, I mean, they might look back at signing Harrison Phillips and go, 
maybe there's a reason the Buffalo Bills, best team in the league, let him go. Right. That, right. you know, I mean, he had, he's got good, like run stuffing PFF grades in his career, which is fine. But as far as impact players, it's just not really there. So I, I, yeah, I mean, I think this is a very, very, very tough opponent for the Vikings being that they haven't stopped the run yet, because if they don't, and then they have to try to bring extra people or they just say, Hey, run over us. But actually teams have done that. <laughs> like in the last two years, they have said, okay, uh, Philadelphia, I mean, really did it, especially in the second half winding clock. But you go back to last year, Stafford threw three picks against the Vikings and one because they ran over this defense that has a lot of the same bones to it that it did last year. So yeah, I, I mean, I think it remains a major, major concern for the Vikings. And if they cannot stop the run, uh, Detroit's going to take advantage for sure. In, in all in all fairness, I mean, Philadelphia, they're, they're a really tough team to stop the run. I mean, they, they ran all over us. You know, we saw a complete bounce back when we played against the Washington Commanders as far as the run game. We we handled the run really well. But when you look at the Philadelphia game, it was like you think you would think that Detroit can't stop the run to save their lives. Well, but I think it's just Philadelphia scheme, um, to be honest with you. Yeah. I think it's like Jalen Hurts, right? And Kirk is just yeah, yeah. It's the RPO. It's the RPO. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so it's hard to defend. Look. It's so hard to defend the RPO right now. They could run. They've been running that like probably eighty percent of the plays, and it's it's like automatic. <laughs> you don't know who's getting the ball. You don't know who's going to Sanders. You don't know who's sticking with uh, Jalen Hurts. Is he going to take off and run? Is he going to pass? It is. It is a weapon right now. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I I think it's so funny when you mention you know Goff. He's like you know kind of similar to Kirk Cousins a little bit, and I I think Kirk Cousins leads a whole group of quarterbacks that are so similar to him. I think he's the leader. I think at Jimmy Garoppolo, he's like the handsome version of Kirk Cousins. I look at Ryan Tannehill, he's like Kirk Cousins' cousin. Like like there, there's so many Kirk wait, Cousins in this league. I look at three wait, tiers in this wait, league. There's three quarterbacks. There's wait, the wait, wait, really wait. good quarterbacks. There's the Kirk Cousin tier. And there's the really bad uh, quarterbacks. Kirk Cousins wait, wait. has own tier. Wait, wait. Did, did you call Ryan Tannehill's Kirk he, Cousins' cousin? He's Kirk Cousins' cousin from his mom's side. And Jared Goff from the dad's side. <laughs> that, that's just how I look at it. It's just how I look at it. Yeah, it's a uh, a family uh, bootleg reunion, I guess, all the time. But, uh, you know, I, I think that there's definitely a point to be made there about the similarities. Um, and, and, you know, with Kirk, it's so interesting because – it's almost like a home run hitter that when he faces your third pitcher in the lineup, he smashes home runs, but when he faces the ACE, he can't keep up with the fastball. And, and, you know, I, I don't know that that's the case for Jimmy Garoppolo because he's faced some pretty good fastballs and gotten a team to the super bowl. And, and, you know, he's gone through a playoffs. Now, part of that was running over the, the Packers, but even to the NFC championship last year, grinded his way there that I think that, with there's like nuances to, to all of these guys of what they need uh, in order to succeed. Uh, but it, what it kind of comes back to usually is the running game. And it sounds old school. And it sounds like what year are you guys talking about? What, you know, is Sean Alexander going to come out here and uh, start running away or, you know, Larry Johnson and priest Holmes? But like, it is true with certain quarterbacks that they really need to get the defense's focus elsewhere other than the quarterback whereas if you have josh allen if you have patrick mahomes if you have justin herbert the whole world can be focused on the quarterback and it will not matter because they'll make the throws anyway and i think that's where the difference is between great quarterbacks and guys that are pegged as sort of system quarterbacks but the other thing that is it happens with uh cousins that i don't know happens exactly with the other guys it's either a great game or it is a brutal game and I, and I think that when, and I charted this out once I took all of his PFF grades and QBRs and I charted them and kind of compared them to some other quarterbacks and his looked like a roller coaster. I mean, it was way up and way down and way up and way down. And I think that when you have that happen, first of all, the, the other players on your team show up and don't know what's happening that Sunday with the quarterback. Is he going to like play today or what? Um, but the other thing is too, like, that's how you end up at 500 all the time is when you get things to be favorable, the guy is fantastic. But when it's unfavorable, then you usually just don't win. And uh, if the defense doesn't play well, you don't win. If there was some stat about, you know, if the defense allows whatever points, the Vikings have barely won any games. If they play winning teams, they barely won any games. It's like if anything is going against Kirk Cousins, he doesn't have the raw talent to overcome that like some some more gifted quarterbacks and you know how that plays out i mean that's the thing with this lions game it's like 
I think we we're still finding out about these teams and how good they really are. And if the lions really are a formidable team, like this is going to be a very difficult game for him in a game that the Vikings, they really need to kind of get back on track after losing in Philadelphia. Matthew, I'll say this, everything ever since Ben Johnson took over at coordinator, Jerry Goff has seven, 17 touchdowns and three picks since last year <laughs> wow. to this year. So, yeah. and I do think that the ceiling on Goff can be higher uh, in part because I, I do think that, I mean, Think about think about this way. Jared Goff has led in his career a number one and a number two ranked offense in the NFL. And he had a great situation, a great play caller, everything else. But right. Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins also had in Washington Deshaun Jackson, Pierre Garçon, two great tight ends, Trent Williams, Brandon Scherf. Like they yeah. had great teams too. And they also had McVay. Uh, and the Vikings have given him digs, they've given him Jefferson, they've given him a running game. The highest the Vikings offense has ever ranked with him, and it was the highest of his career, was eighth. And that was when he threw his fewest passes. <laughs> I mean, it, it really tells you kind of like the ceiling on a guy. If Jared Goff is going and he's operating your offense at an extremely high level, like you could be one of the best in the league. With Kirk, kind of the best you get because of the roller coaster nature is you end up being, you know, fringe top 10, which can certainly get you to the playoffs. But you need a great defense and you need a great running game and things like that. And they've only had one year where all those things really came together and they made the playoffs. Yeah, I, I yeah. personally agree with you 100%, man. I think, you know, I think Jared Goff is going to get better every single game, especially as more pieces come in, because like, I think our best weapon is Jameson Williams, to be honest with you. I think once he gets back, once he's entered that lineup, once he's not lined up, I think the offense is going to take another step. But that's just, that's just me. I, I agree with you. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I think that I, I think that what they've done here is not that different from Philadelphia with Hertz or Tua in Miami, where it's it's about the supporting cast. And the supporting cast is, like you said, going to get better as offensive linemen get healthier. I saw that uh Frank Ragnow was limited today. If he plays, he's a great player. Uh, and Jamison Williams has the potential to be a great player. You put these guys around Goff, he's proven that he can lead a great offense. With Cousins, it's not getting better. Like it's going to be pretty much the same with the group around him. It, it's going to be what it is, and, and only get worse if they have any injuries and they have really no depth at any position uh, on offense. So, I, I you know I wouldn't be surprised if Detroit ends up overall with a better uh, offense than the Vikings and ends up scoring more points at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. It's it's why I look at most of those quarterbacks the same. It's like you need something to, like they're not always going to be the reason why you're winning these games. It's going to be more of you could win with them. And I think that's where, you know, that's why I put the Kirk Cousins here. There's a lot of quarterbacks like that. Like you could win with these guys, but they're not necessarily going to be the reason why you win. And that's just because of the talent. And like you compare the Josh Allen's, the Herbers and all that. But all right, let's, uh, let's get out of here. I got one more question for you. Spread right now is five and a half Vikings favorite. If you were a betting man, Matthew, I don't know if you are or not, but if you were betting on this game, who are you going with? I am not because I don't want to lose all my money. Um, I have a surprise, like, you know, I cover the team every day and everything else. And you guys, you know, you watch every, every game and every, every report and every moment, and then you can't pick whether they're going to beat a team or not. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, you think you'd be better at it. Uh, so I'm, I give that disclaimer at this moment, I would say that the Vikings bounce back and win the game, but I don't know if they cover. Like this one feels to me, and it has been the case with a lot of Vikings Detroit games over the years that I've covered. 2016 is one of the wildest games. In fact, I just had um, Glover which Quinn one? on the show. Yeah, which, and, which uh, game in 2016? The Thanksgiving one or the, yeah, right. the, 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 the Golden Tate OT one? Yeah, the Golden Tate one. I was just yeah. talking with Glover Quinn on my show about that game like and how crazy that was. And, and he was talking about like it was one of his most memorable games. That one was nuts. Both games last year were nuts. Like the fumble from Alexander Madison and the 54 yard field goal and Kirk cousins and Mike Zimmer, like wrestling after the game. <laughs> uh, you know, like, And then uh, what, what a wild win it was uh, for Detroit at the end. A after that game, I basically said, if, if Mike Zimmer is not done here, then I don't even know like what the organization's doing. So um, it's a, yeah, it's always nuts. And I think it's going to be nuts again. But the Vikings need this, and Kevin O'Connell needs this to kind of show his team, yeah, I screwed up in Philly, but I can correct that and bounce back. That's where I would go right now. But if you guys told me that 
Detroit won by 10 points. Like I wouldn't be surprised. I think the talent is there for Detroit to do that. I would not, from the time you guys and I have known each other, I would never have predicted that it was possible for Detroit to win by 10 points. You're right. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> but now I'm saying it. Wow. You know what? I, you know what? I, I, yeah. You know what? I actually, I agree with you, man. I honestly feel like Minnesota does need this more because if, if you guys, if, you know, you got lost to Philadelphia, if you guys lose to the Detroit the following week, I think the fans are going to go crazy, man. I think there's going to be a state of panic. Yeah, it's, no, it's kind of like I agree. It's, it's kind of like the Lions last week. You know, they lost to Philly week one. You start the season with two home games. Commanders are one and zero. Like you need to take that game versus the Commanders, and you know they took care of business and won that game, and they're put in a position now where, you know, they could potentially take a division lead if they win this game versus Minnesota. Yeah, this is gonna be a tough test for you guys to see exactly where the coach is. I mean, if you guys can bounce back, I mean that's that's a positive for you guys. Yeah, if- I think that I, I think you're exactly right. That they really do need it. And the big thing is if they had gone a different direction, this is what it all comes back to. If they had gone a different direction in the offseason, it just wouldn't be that big of a deal if they started one and two. You'd be like, Okay, well, you know, we're we're just finding things out this year. Yeah. We're just having fun, it's vibes only. Yeah. But when you bring back cousins and you promise the world, this new offense, that's going to take you to the next level, you lose to Detroit. You're still called Detroit. Like even yeah. though the the roster is better, it's still like a loss to Detroit for Minnesota is, is really bad. And uh, so I, yeah, I think that uh, if they were to start one and two with that, even though their schedule after that is not super hard, it's go to London and play the saints, come back, play the bears. It should be a win, but it's not a, it's not a great first impression if you start out of the gate one and two and the head coach looks like he's in over his head. So I think Kevin O'Connell is the one who needs this one the most. He yeah. does. Yeah. And having a home game should should help you guys out. I agree. Yep. So Matthew, looking at the Bears like how you looked at the Lions, you know, you're just automatically chalking up W's. That's how you yeah. look at us. <laughs> yeah, which which I shouldn't because in 2016, which was such a crazy year for the Vikings, they were five and zero, oh, and they went to Chicago, and Chicago was one and four, and it was just a horror show there. And Chicago ran up and down the field on them. And after that, the offensive coordinator quit. They lost a bunch of games, missed the playoffs. So Chicago can always have, and and really, you know, twenty twenty, Chicago had a bad team with Mitch Trubisky in uh, his last year there. They came to Minnesota and beat the Vikings in that game and uh, knock the Vikings essentially out of the playoffs. So, you know, you can never underestimate curses and stuff like that. You guys know all about it. But, you know, I do think that if the Vikings, it's a very big swing game because if they win, Jameis Winston's playing with like his whole back broken and the Bears are horrendous. And and you could kind of start, you know, reeling off some wins before playing a really difficult game at Miami, which I have a tough time seeing them win. Uh, but then they have a bye week. They come out of that with Arizona. It's like you can see the wheels start to turn if you get this one. If you go to one and two, it's the same story as last year where you start one and three or the year before where you start one and five. And then you're just digging out of this hole. And I think that's a very difficult place for a team to be as opposed to feeling like, yeah, yeah, we're rolling. Yeah, we can bounce back from a tough loss and go. Um, I Yeah, I really do think that the Vikings need this one. Definitely. Okay. Um, thank you so much, Matt, for joining us. Where, again, could they find your podcast? You're on the Blue Wire Network, but where could they find your podcast? What's it called? Uh, yep, Blue Wire for sure. Purple Insider, wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, all that things. And uh, I want to say, I know that I talk a lot, so um, I kind of dominated the show a little bit. But I wanted to say, you guys are the best, that I really enjoy going on with you guys. Um, and I, 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 there's a lot of podcast invites that I get. And it's hard to find time to do them, but I always have time for you guys. You know that oh, man, uh, because Matthew, I really I like coming. Appreciate it, Matthew. Oh. Appreciate Matthew. <laughs> I appreciate oh, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I bet. We'll, yeah. <laughs> uh, I bet we'll probably do this when we face each other in December. Hopefully, meaningful game. Hopefully, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe. Hopefully. All right, Matthew. Thank you again for taking time out of your day and joining us. That's all we got. Oh, man. Yeah. Good luck this Sunday. Thanks so much, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good one. All right, guys. Hope you guys all enjoyed that episode with Matthew Collar. Again, you guys go find him at the Purple Insider on the Blue Wire Network. He's always the best to have him on. Previewing the Vikings. 
Um, and we'll be live on Sunday before and after the game on Twitter Spaces. We'll be live on playback in the second half of that game, hopefully. hopefully it's a good game by then. You know, we're talking some good stuff about the Lions like we did last week versus the Commanders. So hopefully we get that type of result again. But other than that, see you guys Sunday. Peace. All right, guys. I'm out. Peace. All right. It's your boy Malcolm, and I'm out, man. Peace. ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done